welcome back to another episode of the ADH Dads. I'm your host, CJ. I'm JJ. Glad we're talking today, bud, because I am in need of a uh, restart on my men- on my mentality over here, because um, it's been hard <laughs> in my household. Uh, but I think that's just the story I'm telling myself, and I've gotten so used to telling myself that that's the story that it now has become subconscious standard mode of operation. So, um, man, I had some good talks with my wife over the last couple of days and kind of like re-strategized our parenting techniques and what we do when we're at that end of the day witching hour and, uh, you know, attention is low and kids energy is high. (laughs) So, uh, and it's been going pretty good, man. We've been, we we're feeling great over here. So I wanted to get you on and let's talk about this, you know, let's talk about choosing our hard man, because Mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes I think we just choose it and then we don't think about it again. And uh, we say it's hard and man, that grass sure does look green on the other side of that fence over there. If I could just get over there, (laughs) life would be so much easier. And (laughs) I don't think that's the case, brother. I think that's a lie we're telling ourselves. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, for one, I mean, if the grass is greener on the other side, I imagine the water bill is a little bit more expensive, right? Exactly. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you can either so... have brown grass and save on your energy bill and be judged by your neighbors, and that's hard, or you can pay extra for the energy bill and have a green yard, and that's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess my first question is: you had said you're in need of a restart, so I guess my question is this. What does a restart look like? <sighs> well, you know, we've been releasing these videos on the 28-day no-yell challenge, and that's uh, been a good reminder for me. You know, I kind of, like, made that document to, like, condense all of these things that I've been kind of, like, gathering over the last four years. And uh, I think that that's good, like, a good little sample tester for people to kind of try different methods and see like what works best for them. So during that process, you know, we um, experimented a little and uh, really had some in-depth conversations about the results of those techniques. Um, Cause often it's like, we did it, uh, you know, move on to the next thing and we don't think about it. And I think like parenting, life, leadership, you know, adulting, takes constant attention and reevaluating. And I think that Mm. our household has fallen on the wayside on that. You know, it Mm. was like, well, this has worked for so long. Let's just keep doing it. And then all of a sudden we Mm. ended up in Timbuktu and we're like, where's our car? How did we get here? And how do we get back, (laughs) back, back to safety, back to home, back to comfort. Um, So, you know, we kind of made a vow of, you know, we're just going to talk at our calm voices and give the, <laughs> give the one alternative. And then we're going to say, you know, directions have been given. I'm not going to continue this conversation and let them kind of play out that process without intervention. Cause I think that's where the problem was, you know, when, especially in my household brother, when we got three of them, you know, talking over each other all the time. It gets overwhelming, you know? I don't think I've ever noticed this about myself until I got into this family with three kids and the wild dog and uh, and a Puerto Rican wife, you know? That sound is can be a really, like, overwhelming <laughs> trigger, 
you know, like when it's all just like a cacophony of just noise coming at you. And I was letting that set the thermostat of my, of my emotions, you know? And I just was like, this need to escape. This is too hard. I can't, I don't have the patience to deal with this. I need, I need to step away. And mm. it was the opposite. It was like, nope, now's the time to double down and not run from this, but lean into this, you know, and uh, exemplify what calm and persistent looks like. And um, I think I lost track of my why, honestly. Hmm. And I and I think because, uh, God, you know, all the overwhelm of, of things going on and these are just excuses, you know. <laughs> they're ex they're excuses sure. until you can reevaluate and implement new i think you know mm. and um i think we 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 got there so <laughs> we're trying mm. okay so a restart is really taking every experience you've had up to this point and applying maybe some new deviations from the norm no i think the restart was more in the reevaluating the why mm -hmm. and like okay. getting connected with that again, you know, because, uh, I think it's easy to say you want to attain a goal mm -hmm. and, uh, without a plan of action and without that, why to ground you, to remind you, to think back on of why you're doing it and what the end result could be. Uh-huh. We just get lost. We get in that <laughs> the noise. Cruise control, you know? Yeah. So and I it's... think for me it was like, man, I haven't I haven't thought about that why in a while. I've been just like mm. so like wife needs this, this needs to be done, homeschooling the young one, kids need to be picked up, new job training, you know, it was just like all of these things that were pulling my attention in all these different ways that the why kept getting pushed further back in the line. And then it was mm -hmm. like, all of a sudden weeks had gone by and I realized I was a little emotionally dysregulated with my tone and how I was parenting. And it was really like, well, I really haven't had that conversation with myself. Mm. So, you know, wife and I stayed up late and really got intimate with our conversations and reevaluated why we don't want to yell and you know the generational trauma that we're trying to correct or make better um and that was just a conversation that we haven't had in a while mm. and so yeah and you know the the hard is just as hard <laughs> in both scenarios right like it was hard because there was all this noise and I was feeling overwhelmed, but it's also hard to be present and calm and give full attention in those blow up meltdown moments. Mm -hmm. But one of those hards, there's a beautiful why at the end of that. Right. And the other one of those hards was like unintentional, unthoughtful and aloof. Mm. Well, let me ask you a question before we dive into kind of further down the road in this, because I think this is valuable for a listener to uh, to understand and maybe about your situation and how they could apply it. So it usually, I mean, it can be recognized by everybody, you know, who's directly involved in the situation, but 
you started with the conversation within and you, you know, you identify that there's something that needs to be reevaluated and there's multiple invested parties. You know, you got your wife, you've got your kids. How does one bring that conversation up to talk about reevaluation and your why in order to, in order to identify areas that maybe the two of you both haven't vocalized yet, but uh, have have been feeling like, how do you, how do you introduce that? Because like from a person, you know, myself, who's been through divorce, I would say that that conversation, depending on the subject matter could have been very scary and could have mm. resulted in us being more comfortable in the fear than <clears throat> the fear in not saying something than the fear of taking action and putting our voice out there. Mm. Well, you know, we just heard this saying earlier today, JJ, that, you know, change happens one of two ways, either intentionally or unintentionally. And, uh, you know, those who have been listening to the show for a while now know that our household, my wife has been dealing with a lupus diagnosis for the last uh, year here. So that's been a struggle and a huge change in our routine, in our schedule, and the way that the load has been shared, you know? Um, and I, if you know anything about lupus, it's, it's like a lethargic disease. Like it just wipes you out. You feel like you have the flu, you're achy, hot and cold, hot or cold can trigger those symptoms. And, uh, you know, so we'll, we can go have a great family day at Disney, but the next three days, my wife is, phew, she just can't move, you know? And uh, <clears throat> it's been, you know, as she's been transitioning in her work life too, it's been a stressful time and stress can really cause these flare ups. And um, I've noticed that she's just been having some more off days than, than good ones where she's feeling good with, the, with her health. And a lot of that responsibility has kind of been shifted to me now to, you know, handle all the stuff. And my wife... Um, got caught up in that, that cruise control, you know, of God, I'm just not feeling good. This is hard. You know, I'm, I don't, this is my life now. And that was a big identity crisis, I think for her to realize her limitations at this stage of life and where we are at in our relationship versus where we started and, and the, the, load sharing that we were doing with the responsibilities and how that shifted. And we haven't really vocalized that, you know, it's just kind of happened naturally as you know, the, the months have progressed and uh, you know, I, and I listen, brother, I would stand by this woman and wipe her butt and pick her boogers if I needed to, for the rest of her lives. I, this isn't something that I I'm complaining about or, or, I'm trying to be negative about, but I, you know, there is a human experience of that where in, intimacy um, seemed to kind of get a little more distant in our, in our relationship with our conversations and the laughing, haha, fun times that we were having, because it was like narrowed down, get you better, get you back to health. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I was kind of feeling it internally like, oh man, you know, I just, we haven't been this close over the last couple of months. And I know that it's not like 
due to arguments or differences between us and our core values or what we want in this marriage. It was just because of this health thing, you know, and I never wanted to bring it up to her because I didn't want to add extra pressure on her plate. You know, I didn't want to guilt her, or make her feel bad that she's feeling bad and you know, that the responsibilities kind of shifted. So you just kind of let it play out. And she kind of got to a point where she, you know, had some realizations and, and came to me and we had some really great talks where she was very affirming to me and the type of partner that I've been through this process and, and how I have stepped up to the responsibility. And it was very affirming for me to hear that she is noticing that, you know, um, and that was a really great connection piece for us to talk about, like, why why we want to do this and why it's important to us that we have these talks and that we are able to talk about it in a non-judgmental or in a way that you don't take offense to it, you know? And I think uh, through that conversation, we realized that we had gotten away from these conversations and gotten into this subconscious mode of operation to where we weren't thinking about it and tones just kind of started getting louder and, you know, more intense. And we really got together and said, geez, we're doing the same things that our parents did, you know, and we we're trying to build something better and, and closer and more connected. And uh, so, yeah, I guess, you know, it's, where we're at with our conversations. And, you know, I just want to say, brother, like we do this coaching and stuff and we do this podcast, but I do it for selfish reasons, my friends, because I am the front seat learner here to all of this. And we are like privileged to talk to these amazing guests and amazing fathers and hear these amazing stories and experiences um, that really bring a different perspective to healthy relationships and different tactics to get there. And I need it, brother. You know, I need it more than, than anyone else. And that's why I love doing this. And that's why I, I, I want to dedicate my life to this because I feel it's the most important job that we can have as men, you know, to, to lead our families. Uh oh, I got the little one. He's, he's done with lunch. He's trying to break in. I <laughs> hear <laughs> him knocking away. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> there he is. And oh, the boy. It's a dad show, guys, so it's life. <laughs> yeah. Um, What's your, what does your heart look like, JJ? You know, like, do, do you fall into the hard pit or is it all just easy sailing? Well, I think there was a point in my existence in my life where i started to started to give less emphasis to the things that happened to me and instead started to look at the things that i could do in response to what's taking place in my life and what i can control um so i think the way i look at the hard is now you know decision based on my values. So if I come into a situation 
great example is always going to be moving to the city I'm in where it was more than double my rent for less than half the space to find a way to make that work. And I could say, you know, landlords are greedy. I could say, you know, cost of living is too much and wages haven't, you know, kept up in terms of, you know, how they relate to inflation. And that would be fairly accurate, but me stating that doesn't make a decision take place. It doesn't, it doesn't involve my values. I think most people, when they think values, they probably think of positive things. In fact, I can't imagine you could have a positive thought while also having a negative thought at the same time. So when you choose to approach a life decision based on your values, you're intentional about being positive in how you handle that. That's a key for me, is being able to try and maintain that positive intention as I move forward with things that are sometimes hard. So you can still have something that's hard and you can look at it as a positive opportunity, or you can look at it as something that's negative and push your values to the side and sit in a place that does not create progress. Does that make sense? I think the big thing is that I don't find value in sitting in a space of complaints. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself down that street though you know and if you do what do you do to talk yourself out of it find your way out of it well i will give you an example uh fairly recently um we've seen kind of a a, a difficult few weeks probably i'm probably saying it lightly when i say few weeks with our our kiddo and how he's been managing, you know, him himself, his his self esteem, and and at school his performance. Um, and the one thing that I, again, bring my values to is trying to not trying to, but um, pointing out what's going well. Um, there's this book that uh, I mentioned way back when on our podcast called Transforming the Difficult Child. And just kind of, again, for the listeners, when I say that title, that definitely sounds like we're talking about terrible children, but that's not what this is. It's about transforming the people in their lives, us parents, to look for the good. So you can transform somebody through your values. Again, going back to that positivity and, um, with the school, um, there's one person who fills out a, a basically a daily report sheet, and we have thumbs up, we have neutral thumb, and we have thumb down. And they'll circle that. And if we have an all thumbs up day, the sheet just has circles on it, and that's it. If we have a neutral day, there'll be comments about something that didn't go quite right. And if we have thumbs down, then we have more comments about things that didn't go right. That doesn't actually speak to my values and my role as a parent because it while it is true that our children will make unsafe choices or you know maybe you know push back or just you know are, are distracted um that's something that i think we all are aware of will take place but we also 
want to understand and learn our children's values. And one way we do that is through positive feedback and positive reports. So if I have a bunch of thumbs up on the report sheet, I want to hear about that. Why is that a thumbs up? Just like I get the why there was a thumbs neutral or why there's a thumbs down. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm doing the thumbs up thing, so I'm getting my little emojis showing Mine up. Still on the doesn't screen. do it. I don't. I don't know why <laughs> <mine> doesn't do it. <laughs> so, so I've been encouraging uh, the teachers uh, to give us those positive reports. I've regularly said that, and it wasn't, believe it or not, it wasn't until yesterday that I received a win on his report sheet. And here's the thing: back to his self esteem, he has said about himself a number of times that he's stupid and this most recent situation his mom had said that uh, to the to me and the teachers that he called himself stupid because that's what one of his friends or some friends at school had been saying about him to him and that was brutal that that always hurts you know i i just i was bullied as a kid and it really it really destroyed my self-esteem as well i don't want to see my kiddo in that space so what happened was he said those things to his mom over the weekend. And so she took action based on probably her values, which I would love to interview her and hear more about her values in this, um, that he was saying that based on what he had heard from friends at school. And so her action was, I'm going to call it out and I'm going to just bring it to their attention. If there's something that can be done, great. And then therefore, uh, we got a response pretty quickly that said, you know, that's not a, an acceptable thing that um, we allow at school, which is good, obviously. I'm glad that they don't just say, yeah, go ahead, call each other idiots. Um, but, uh, you know, they said, we're going to have a conversation with the class today about that, which, you know, I don't know what that looked like exactly. I'm pretty sure it wasn't like, hey, everybody, Cohen said this. I'm sure there was more, you know, an inclusive environment of conversation for everybody to be aware that we talk positive speak and we inform teachers when inform, you know, being informed is necessary. So then that report sheet, we had a follow-up and he had a conversation with one of his friends who had apparently called him stupid and then they ate lunch together. So I just saw a lot of values taking place in those moments. And it's sometimes hard to bring those things up. It was hard for him, obviously, to bring that up, but it's causing some rip through his heart that's probably trying to pull away at his values and it's actually causing a self-esteem issue for him and we based on our love and values we can't sit with that so everybody's values are in some way at least called attention to in this moment the teachers the kids the uh, you know the students the the uh, the parents and we wanted to move forward even though it's hard there's hard experience throughout that whole thing. We tend to realize pretty quickly when things are hard and they're not productive that we don't want to sit with those. So communication, like I struggled in my marriage sometimes to say something, like I shut down and I didn't want to say something because I was afraid that whatever the conversation would be would end up in a worse place. That was the story I told myself. And that was me devaluing my relationship. and also going against my own values of creating a strength and bond of love between us that I wasn't living up to those values. So today, when it comes to where I'm at, I'm secure in myself and I want to practice those values daily. And that's just another example. 
what is it about us humans that we always want to correct the bad and we don't really celebrate the good with as much oomph as we we try to correct right i mean like misery really does love company you know especially in a parent role it's we, the default is to correct yeah. the bad behavior and not celebrate every good one. Everything your kid does wrong, we as parents are right there to go, no, you can't do that. No, don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't play with that. Didn't I tell you this? You know, but when they actually do it on their own accord, it's just expected behavior and we just let it go by. And I, you know, I think you just hit the nail on the head for me and on what that conversation that I had just told earlier, what it really kind of, <laughs> Molly wants to get in on this. Molly says, my <laughs> values are, are, are milk bones, oh milk bones. <laughs> um, but I think you know, with all this negativity that we were concentrating on, that was going on in the house with the dysregulation, that verbal affirmation and that celebration, Celebra celebration of the positive in just that brief moment was like, oh, oh, you know, like just a weight lifted off, you know? And that's been my challenge since I've had that conversation is how can I flip that 80-20 ratio for 80% bad and correcting to, you know, and 20% good job to, you know, be 80%, good job, you're doing so good. Oh, I saw that. You keep doing that. You're doing so good. And just kind of letting the, unless it's physical safety or, you know, someone's in danger. But, you know, I, I've i just been learning to just let go of the stuff, you know? Like, damn it, JJ, these are just kids, you know? It took me 30 years to get it hammered into my head you know they still got a while to go so i'm just learning to have more patience and grace with the process and have more fun in the celebrating of each other and it's like duh why didn't we why can't we do this all the time every day and uh, i think we can if we're intentional about it and and uh, have these conversations daily and do these exercises daily and write in a gratitude journal, do prayers or meditations or set yourself up for what you want to do. You know, at least just write down one thing in the morning of like how you're going to bring love and positivity to the household. It takes that because sometimes we are trained to just like, oh, life is awful. Poor me. You know, isn't it hard? Can't everybody see how hard it is? Let's celebrate that I'm doing this hard thing and it's killing me rather than. God, you're really doing good at that. How do you do that? You know, gosh, where can we all get some more of that? Let's celebrate that and dive into that. But instead it's, God, can you believe Jim? And he, he's always does that. And uh, so, uh, yeah, like I said, that's, that's kind of where I'm at on it. And I, we'll see how long it, the longevity is on this, <laughs> JJ. I might need you to to call me up and be like, you still uh you doing those meditations? <laughs> cold up here. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's it's all in 
the conditioning, you know, in the the learning and the So this execute. was just my experience and the relationships <laughs> that I've had in life that have trained my mentality to operate this way. Well, I mean, you know, again, like a, 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 the great example is is the well, the, especially like the twenty four hour news channel that's uh, that has a, a a a bias, you know, is is that uh, there's generally a negative type of conversation instead of instead of talking about what's going well, it's that other person is making this bad. Um, so I think about. I think about how we can train ourselves to look at things and the way we can communicate things a little bit differently. So let's say somebody recognizes that they did something of an infraction against you and you know they maybe they make a a, a mild apology and will say hey, it's okay, it's okay. You know we're 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 softening the negative maybe, but we're still focusing it on the negative. Or a kid, you know, was making a disruptive, you know, uh, uh, noise in class. And now we're all drawn to that. And that's what we remember. That's the thing we focus on. Um, stepping back and taking a picture and saying, oh, I noticed this good thing and this good thing. Or, uh, you know, or even with the negative behavior, assuming, again, it's not like punching somebody square in the nose. But, you know, maybe maybe there was a, a choice that wasn't kind. And we can start to be curious and say, hey, you know, I, I, I witnessed this and that, that sounds like it must be really hard for you. You know, what, what, was, what was it that was going on in your mind when you decided uh, to make that comment? You know, was there something about that that you saw um, when you called that kid stupid? Um, is there something that you saw that, that you had a hard time understanding? What what is it about them that you don't understand? You know, is there something you'd like to learn more about? Um, just kind of putting the reframe into let's focus on let's focus on something that we can get more information from that we don't know because we're too busy otherwise just looking at the surface. That's where I think we go wrong. Is I mean, I remember I you know this this isn't a political lean for me, but I remember. Um, I think it was like Obamacare was what what, what the uh, term ended up being. Um, I saw a lot of mudslinging taking place, you know, which I believe we all did in, in the conversation there. And I saw uh, what I believe in President Obama at the time, a lot of uh, like diplomacy and holding back and nodding and affirming, even if he disagreed, there was just, there was this poise about him that didn't allow, he didn't allow himself, even if he had an emotional response, he didn't allow himself to just fire back at people who were maybe his detractors. And uh, I appreciated that about him because he could have gone the way that so many were going in those moments, whether it was the, the left or the right, you know, kind of throwing words back at each other and making zero progress. I don't see the loudest voice in the room really needing to be given the power on the airwaves or otherwise, because I'm more interested in what's going on beneath the surface of this person that we could maybe come to understand. If you're arguing against the other side, okay, well, let's, let's hear your argument for why you have a good solution. What's your solution? Let's, let's be solutions-based 
in our approach to this, because I think then we can have a real conversation. Um, so you can back to like a relationship situation. If we choose to open up our mouths, even if it's in frustration, the hard thing would be to be curious. And the harder thing would be to be defensive because then you are ending up causing greater harm than you are help. And when a frustration is usually voiced in a, in a relationship that's uh, maybe experiencing uh, a little bit of tumultuous moments, um, I imagine the person who decides to be curious and decides to ask questions and really hear out the other person, they will find that the other person will slowly or maybe quickly get on board with this new approach. So in terms of choosing your hard, I would say the hard in this moment is not being curious, but instead, you know, arguing your point or just throwing out your defenses. <laughs> See, kiddo disappeared for a second there. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, uh, you uh, you hit it on the head for me, brother. Because it's the times that I'm not practicing curiosity that that's where I get into trouble. You know, I get into this self defense mindset of they should know better. They're doing this intentionally. You know, how many times have we gone over this? And the times that I've really paused and said, you know, what's going on? Like, how do you view this? What are you not understanding? Or how does that make you feel? Or what are you understanding from this? Are the times that I'm really surprised, like, oh, she wasn't trying to be rude or, you know, intentionally harm me or it, she was misunderstanding of the situation or the phrasing or the vocabulary or the concepts in the, in of themselves. And what missed opportunities, man, every time, you know, like every time that I go, because I said so, or, mm. you know, because we talked about this before, you know, better instead of like, well, what's going on? What are you feeling? What are you thinking? What did you hear me say? And why, what is it about it that you're not motivated for? Or what would motivate you? And when I take the time to ask those questions, I'm like really blown away by how mature and articulate our kiddos can be, you know? And <clears throat> I just feel like what just missed opportunities we have as dads every time that those come to us, you know, instead of helping our kid to understand the world and themselves and communication and interpersonal relationships, yeah. we're instead just saying, I know more and you <laughs> should just do it because I know more, you know? You know, I think, I think that's an ego thing, but I also believe um, that it's a, you know, like you said, missed opportunity. It's, it's an indication that I have not been paying good enough attention to you. Yeah, um, exactly. And when, I think that those are the way that our kids tell us that, you know? Yeah. Cause in, I don't know about your household brother, but th that's when we get to those high points is when we just like, aren't paying attention to the kids. 
you know, mm. like just go off and play in your room and don't come down and bug us and give us a night or a minute, which is needed every now and then, right? Like wife and I love one-on-one -on -one connection, you know, um, but getting the kids to understand that unless we take the time to really express the importance and why it's important to us and why we think that it'll benefit them, it's just failed. It's just, you're not giving me attention and why, mm. you know? Yeah. And, uh, and the timing of that, like, it, like, especially in a romantic relationship with your, with your partner is, is very important because you can, you can say, you know, you, you seem upset <laughs> and that could be a triggering moment. Or you could say, you know, I, I noticed this about uh about your legs you know or your your hands you know you're fidgeting and stuff uh I, my, based on what i understand you, you're uncomfortable right now and and I, I i would like to i would like to uh be there for you if i can in any way to help you out um when we were going through the process of the iep evaluation and we reached the the uh um the end of that and we met with the principal and the teachers uh I had a conversation with my co-parent um, leading up to that, that this is a sensitive thing for me because of family, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, I have a brother who has uh, severe autism and I have a parent who has opinions about my kid <laughs> and they're not always delivered in a time that's, that's good for me. I would say that there are triggering times and uh, the, I guess the lack of understanding or the the missed opportunity of empathy has been shown a few times and that really hurts. And in that moment when we were with the teachers and the principal, my co-parent turned to me and she's, you know, in front of everybody, she said, you know, how are you doing right now? And I really appreciated that complete understanding or very close to complete understanding of me from her because she got me. She knew that this was hard. And she didn't be like, hey, what's wrong with you? <laughs> or, or, hey, I'm going to call you out because you seem uncomfortable and everybody's got to pay attention to that and make me feel embarrassed. No, she was like, all right, I got to advocate for this person as well as my kid in this moment because we're trying to get through this in a positive way. And that's what really, to me, sets us up for success in those difficult moments of conversation and communication and where the emotions are probably at the surface. Yeah, you know, because my yelling isn't a finger wagging yell at you and shame yelling. I guess there, I, man, I have to pause on that because <clears throat> maybe there is shame in the way that I'm going to say this. But when I get frustrated, it's like a you should know better kind of way. Or how many times have we talked about this? You know, why aren't you getting this yet? That's like, that's the tone, tonality change in it. It's not like you're a horrible kid and, you know, make my life miserable. You know, it's, it's not, nothing like that, but it is like a covert contract, this expectation that I have on this eight-year-old and a six-year-old and a four-year-old to be caught up intellectually to my 36 year old brain, you know, and pff, yeah, pff, just, pff, 
there's just no excuse, brother. You know, I just, I just fall into it sometimes and I, I got to dig myself out of that hole. But those moments that, like when my wife was able to appreciate me, even in the hard moments, what a great confidence builder, you know? And imagine what that does for me, again, as a 36-year-old man to uh, an eight-year-old that lives for those moments, right? Of like parental pleasing and connection in that relationship with us. So, yeah, you know, it's parenting is hard. Keeping your cool is hard. But I think the way that we get through it with grace and dignity and integrity is being clear on that why. Like, why do I want to pause here? And, uh, you know, again, just no excuse, brother. I just fell into it. And isn't it funny that we, you, you know, you mentioned, you know, we've talked about this before. And then in the same moment, when you say we've talked about this before, you're like, oh, well, I've talked about to myself about this before that I shouldn't be right? doing this in front of my kids. <laughs> 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 the irony of that, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, we, we're constantly every day going through the process of making decisions and choosing you choosing this path or that path you know even when you you know most people well i i don't know the statistics but i believe the good majority of people who have uh, a nine to five have an alarm clock that they get up to you know and i've heard i heard just today somebody say uh that snooze button has won too many times recently um <laughs> but not today I, I I didn't listen to that asshole. <laughs> and my my thought was, you know, maybe a little bit uh arrogance inside of me thinking, you know what, I've never, I've never used the snooze button. Ever. I get up, that's it. I don't I don't use the snooze button. Why is it that the snooze button exists? It's certainly not a Sam, quality of life. My thing. ex would hit the <laughs> snooze button 30 times and it would be like an hour and a half long process it drove me nuts brother and it doesn't, I don't it doesn't people give people to do yeah. that <laughs> yeah and you realize through that whole process like you didn't get any better sleep throughout that rest of that hour and a half you know because that thing that thing is like nope not letting you get into the into the good part of sleep just keeping you at yeah. the surface here but, but again uh, yeah. two different hearts right yeah you either you either waste an hour of your morning hitting that snooze button you know, upsetting your, your the spouse that's laying next to you trying to get that extra hour of sleep or whatever, you mm -hmm. know, or you get up earlier and you do the stuff that you need to and waking up early is hard, you know, mm. marriage is hard, divorce mm. is hard, you know, like. Mm. Yeah. And I think I would just go circle back to the idea of divorce is hard and usually we're not in our best frame of mind when we're going through the process. And that was me, you know, that was where I struggled. And it was, it was hard. And I created that difficulty. I, you know, I was a co-creator of that hard space that we were in and it didn't feel good. And I, at some point, you know, back to the earlier point I made is at some point I realized, do I, do I create any benefit to myself or anybody else in this by sitting in that emotion of what took place? It doesn't look that way. All right, I better gather myself up 
And now that I've gone through all this life experience, I better I better reevaluate these values that I probably have inside, but haven't put you know enough power to by you know writing them down or or putting definition to myself through them. And uh, that was a that was a big thing. You could call that you know choosing your hard. Uh, I don't know if I would always put it that way, but I think it's it's uh, it's it's creating a, a greater sense of accomplishment through challenge that is coming because I'm getting to the point of understanding myself better. So I might not be able to answer the question in every single every single moment that's thrown at me saying, oh yeah, if this happens to me, I choose this. If this happens to me, I choose this. Like, you know, you talked about the diagnosis earlier. That's one thing that I'd like to ask the question about is when you do experience something that comes at you that maybe you did wouldn't choose on you, but now you have to make a choice or work with it. What does that look like? How do you, how do you take that and move forward? Because I'll, I'll be honest, like my values have set me up in a place where I'm very happy with myself. That doesn't mean that I'm just all of a sudden ruling the world. And my bank account got fat and you know, I'm in perfect health. There's a lot of things that uh, I don't have full control over but I do have control over myself and how I respond when something is hard like that, whether it's the loss of a loved one or a diagnosis of something that's going to change the trajectory of your life. What do you do? <laughs> I did have arthritis, but honestly I do have arthritis. I didn't get rid of it. Um, and it kind of sucked. I was like, yeah, I'm in the best shape of my life, but this still hurts. What's going on? Oh, let's order some x-rays. Check it out. Oh, you have arthritis. Huh? Well, I don't really want to just let this body go. What do I got to do? Well, you know, I mean, what's 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 my diet look like? What does my exercise look like? How do I work with this? Because it's not going away. It's not like, okay, well, you know, if you if you start taking this pill every day, arthritis doesn't exist anymore. Good for you. No, I got to I got to reevaluate. So what do you do in those hard moments where you are given something that is going to be a trajectory change. Well, that's why I think it's really important that we really have that why solidified, you know, um, because for me, like I said earlier, the diagnosis wasn't, well, this is too hard for me, you know, because I had my why nailed down through four years of a relationship. I love this woman. We are great together, even in the hard times, you know, and we had made that de decision separately and together that we're here for the hard, you know, whatever that looks like. And, you know, people say that, and then these big things come and it's too, it's too hard. Right. And sometimes it can fall apart, but for me, I was ready to accept, like, I believed that we had something special and our why was so strong that however hard it may be, we could make it through the other side better for it because those were the people that we had decided that we wanted to be, you know, individually and as a couple, as a family, we, we talked about those core values. We talked about, you know, what future together look like and what day-to-day -day routines and what to do in 
heightened emotions and in times of good. And we have those conversations constantly. And every time that we do is a reaffirming of that why, you know, and I, I see a lot of people go into something without that. And then they just, like I say, look on the other side of the grass going, God, it looks so much better over there. It looks so easy over there, you know, and then you get over there and then there's all these unknowables and variables that we never thought about or could see that come up. And then you go, oh man, I never expected this kind of hard. And a lot of, a lot of couples stay in the hard that they know rather than venturing out and trying to discover what a new heart looks like. Cause I think a, a heart that we're familiar with is more comfortable than one that we know nothing about, right? That change can be scary and new hearts can be really intimidating. So much rather just stick with the old heart because now if I give up the old heart and I go for the new heart and it's too hard, well, third option is probably going to be way harder, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, how do we get away from that? How do we, how do we constantly mm-hmm. ask, are we willing to do this hard? Why am mm-hmm. I willing to do this hard? You know, yeah. You know, I think it's a, it's a very rare occurrence where somebody can run away from the hard and that's it. Clean their hands of it. Don't have to think about it ever again. Brother, I tried to run from the hard <laughs> mo- most of my life and yeah, it ended up making things way harder for me. And the yeah. moment that I was like, hell, fuck it, let's take on the hard <laughs> is when it was still hard, but <clears throat> walking through it, I felt, oh yeah, I'm hard. I'm hard. I can do this. And I did something new and different that I wasn't familiar with. It was hard. And look at all this new stuff that I learned. Cause I was mm. doing this other hard or trying to run from that hard for years. And I wasn't learning anything new. I was just doing mm. the same thing over and over and over again. And every time I made those same mistakes, a hard would stack on top of another hard and it just became harder. But once I was like, let's take care of the hard because, because this is what I think it will benefit me or what I will learn from it or how I will grow from it is when I was like, man, hard ain't so hard. You know, like hard is hard, but you get something really great out of it. Hmm. You know, there is, uh, there is nobody better at being you than you. And then when it comes to something that's hard, you can turn from it or you can learn from it. But if you turn from it, chances are your mind is still turning back to it at some point. So you you have an opportunity to learn in the moment or you have an opportunity to learn from, from it as you go along. Or you could continue to try and commit yourself to being stuck. But when you try and go, you know, that grass greener thing, when you try and go to another place because you believe this is the thing that will fix me, you are asking something external to happen Mm. to you to make your life better. And 
that external process where we complain about something destroying our life is also something that we're suggesting will help us enrich our lives. And what I think about when I think about the grass is greener, I think about all that experience that I'm walking with leading up to this point where I believe something external is going to further enrich it. But it's me who's going to be able to take whatever it is I'm looking at or aiming for to make that actually be enriched. It's not going to be something else is going to disrupt my life entirely. Now, granted, if I, if I win the lottery, you know, I have now a huge responsibility to manage that life. And some people, as you know, I know we've all heard the story, like the money get coming into a lot of money, a lot of people mismanage that because they've lost sight of themselves before the process or they didn't have the tools to you know that they equipped themselves with to manage this because they were too busy caught up in some other fantasy even if the fantasy looks like it's a concrete you know part of life now they are lost in the fantasy of something else is going to make my life better and i have it now it needs to make my life better no i still have to be the one in charge of that so i i think the grass is greener thing is is about envy and it's about misunderstanding life it's not about my values yeah we we do as humans always uh search for that external thing that will make hard less hard right we're always looking for the easy fix the just like ah oh, just get it out of my way you know and uh the more that i really try to find myself walking through it it does become, I don't know if it becomes easier, but it becomes, hmm, it becomes at least easier to accept and navigate rather than being so overwhelmed and, and unknowing of what, what to do. Like the more that I open myself up to hard is where I've seen the most potential and growth. And every day there's something hard <laughs> every day, you know, uh, just, just literally from birth on, you know, we are dealing with things for survival. We can, we can look at things of I'm, I'm trying to survive or I'm trying to thrive and through the hard, that's when you find out more about yourself and what you really, hopefully, what you really value, so you can apply that to the next situation, the next situation. I love sports competition and also hate it at the same time because um, I hate it because sometimes people get the idea that they need to be number one, but there's only one person who's going to be number one. There's only one person who's going to get first place. That's why it's called one, right? Um, and then you know, the person who thinks second place is just the first loser has lost all of the great greatness within that got them to the place of their excellence. And man, I just love the excellence point, you know, and being proud of one's ability to try and take something on and master it. I'm, I don't, I mean, I can say with confidence that I'm not going to be number one in anything in this world. And I don't want to strive for that. I want to strive for the best me that I can be and be more than content with that. 
Because if I'm lifting myself up and lifting up the people around me, like who's to suggest, yeah, you really, you know, really honestly, yeah, you're, 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 you're just the first loser. <laughs> I mean, just think about all those, all those guys walking around with number one dad shirts or, or you know, number one grandfather, whatever it is, you know, we've, we've all seen those. Yeah. You know what? They are number one to somebody. They put in their values, their love, their time because they gave a damn. They chose the hard path to get to the greatest path that they, uh, they could, they could be at in this moment. Um, and somebody's rewarding them with that, you know, reminding them, yes, it's true. I see you as that and celebrate that. Yeah, brother. I love that. Um, oh, dang it. The, my thought just left like a fart in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you to know, your point, uh, life is hard and, you know, uh, we're just faced with a number of hard decisions and obstacles throughout our life and nobody is going to just get by scot-free right and if you do i think again like we're saying I, there's a huge disservice there to yourself and to the, those around you and i think that there's something to be said about delayed gratification you know and walking through the hard and experiencing that to get the full appreciation of what the achievement or the award is, you know, we just want to get through it. We want to take the shortcut. And I think the long route uh, teaches us a lot more and makes us stronger for the, for the next thing that comes up. And the more that we try to avoid the hard, uh, I think the harder things they just get for us. And something that I think I'm still trying to teach myself is that delayed gratification. You know, I, <clears throat> for a majority of my life really did want to, I wanted the end goal without putting in the work, you know? Um, and the times that I really learned to enjoy that process and that long walk um, was the most beneficial to me. I feel like I'm just repeating myself now just over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So so here's one thing that I want to point out too that I think is very valuable for every single person listening and uh, and I didn't come up with this but I will I will credit uh Jay Shetty which I've probably mentioned Jay Shetty a bunch of times. I I've been uh re re-listening to uh Think Like a Monk. And uh one thing that I I really I really want everybody to try and do is talk kindly to oneself, give oneself compliments. He gave the example, you like something, oh, I was so stupid. I forgot my keys or whatever it is. You know, I was so stupid. And his example was, well, when your stomach starts grumbling, you don't think, oh, you idiot, you should have eaten sooner. So you wouldn't be hungry now. Right. Why do we give ourselves so much hard or why do we give ourselves so much hell when, you know, we make little mistakes? Because those things are an indication of a of a of a deeper a deeper issue about one's self-esteem. And if we can change those little conversations with ourselves, we can start to change the bigger conversation too, the deeper, the deeper inner thoughts. Man, and that's where I was finding myself uh with the kids. You know, um how did you put it? You know, you, you don't beat yourself up for 
you know, not eating earlier, but I was finding myself in this like automated response with the kids of, well, if you had done that, then you would have had this, you know, I was always trying to like show them, you know, that if they had done the thing that they would have gotten the thing, you know, and, or, and I, you know, again, I was trying to pat myself on the back for not shaming my kids by wagging a finger at them. But I think that there's still shame and embarrassment in the, well, God, couldn't you figure that out? It's just right there in front of you. If you'd done that, then you would have gotten the thing, but you didn't. So now you're not, you know, instead of really trying to practice that curiosity, like we say. Yeah. Bring it you know, back and, to that conversation that you said you had with, uh, with your wife. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's been my, my focus on trying to change the hard. Um, instead of those expectations, I've really just been looking for the moments to, when it is hard to find out why it is hard hmm. and how we can make it easier by remembering the why we want to walk through the hard, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So next week we'll uh, catch up and see how, how it's going or if I'm back to the old habits. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. It's this again, like, this is why we do this brother. Cause this is a daily thing. And I think that we do have to have these conversations daily um, with other, you know, men and with ourselves and with our spouses and with our kids you know, um, cause I think that was a really big turning point too, is after my wife and I had talked about this, the kids got brought into the conversation and we started practicing that curiosity. What are you guys noticing? How are you feeling? How are you interpreting the hard that's going on in our household right now? You know, and explain that to me. And once we did get that clarification, you kind of, again, just kind of hit yourself on the head like, oh my God, they, they totally didn't get it or they missed it or they didn't hear me or, you know, they're in a different world or seeing it as black when it's white, you know, or the reflection of it in the reverse image, you know? So just really being able to like touch on those bases and really like, you know, clarify perspectives we all deserve that, right? That's what we want in a relationship to feel validated, to feel important, to feel worthy, you know, but we do, I think a lot of, a lot of people that a lot of relationships that I've interacted with in my own personal life that I've seen, we do that. Right. And I, and I heard something, um, you know, from a parenting book that, you know, your kids act out worse when they're at home because they trust you, right? Like, but man, why can't we do the opposite? You know, why can't we be extra nice and positive and reaffirming in those moments when we feel most comfortable with someone, most loved by someone, most trusted in someone? Instead, we just want to, well, I can just kind of run amok drag it all through <laughs> crap and they'll still love me. It's unconditional. <laughs> yeah. That's back to the evaluating in, in the moment, uh, what, what everybody values, what are they, what are they, uh, what do they want? What's the curiosity point here and how do we get through, uh, 
<laughs> by being affirmed and validated. Uh, we don't usually have all those thoughts all at once and we don't step back. We, we don't do the breath work when we are feeling the threat and that's where we get ourselves in trouble. <laughs> but we got the repair, we got the value, the, the value of true connection that can be always touched back on when we do make those mistakes. And so giving ourselves grace and being curious about ourselves and then practicing that it doesn't have to be all in one moment. Yeah, no, you're right. It doesn't. It's, it's, uh, I think small steps is how we get there. We oftentimes want to throw the bath out or the bath water out with the baby, you know, um, and just go to the, get a new yard, get a greener yard, you know, where <laughs> there's a lot of <clears throat> work that can be done to salvage the yard that we do have and, and, uh, those hards in, in our relationships that are there. And I think that by how we do that is small steps, incremental, one thing at a time leads you to a bigger picture, leads you to a different mindset, leads you to a new way of operating. At least that's how it was for me. You know, like starting this work four years ago, you get all this information and you're like, I don't know what to do with it. There's so many techniques. So many parents are telling me, do this. No, don't do that. You know, this is right. This is wrong. And you know, how, how, what, what is the most valuable? Do I do it all? Well, let's start with one thing and let's learn and grow one thing at a time. And throughout that process, you know, like with working out, it was, it wasn't just like four hours at the gym. It was, I, I had to start personally like, let's just take a 15 minute walk a day. Let's try to do that. Let's do it a half hour. Well, let's, let's make it a half an hour run. You know, well, let's do this now. Let's try eating better today. You know, and those little wins really can build confidence. And I think that that's what we need to remember that that's how we get through the hard is by those little incremental wins and celebrating each one of those rather than the, uh, like we said, you should have known better. Why didn't you? If you had done this, then this would have happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing I mentioned to uh, one of my uh, accountability groups recently was uh, your your uh, personal record isn't always, or it shouldn't be considered doing your best. We have our days where our best is here. We have our days the best is a little lower than that, mm. you know, but we do put those expectations on, on all those people around us, right. On our kids too. That's, that's what I'm talking about here is mm -hmm. I have this expectation, that, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, I remember years back when we were, you know, my parents always liked to drive everywhere and, and, uh, and they, uh, you know, we, we were going to Iowa from Minnesota to uh, do a, a family reunion thing. And, uh, and they, they asked me if I could drive in the morning. And I said, No, I, you know, I, I just didn't get really good sleep. I'm really tired. And they were upset at me. And I was like, eh, you know, this my personal best today would be an accident. So I'm just letting you know, this isn't a good thing for me to do this and being aware of that and, and giving yourself grace and understanding in the process is very important, even, you know, in those basic moments where there might be an expectation placed on you. You know, don't uh, don't suggest that being true to somebody else's level of expectation is what's best for you or them. For sure, brother. Well said. 
Well, our next episode is going to be called Hard is Easy. And we're just going to talk <laughs> about the, the foo-foo aspects of life and how it's all just butterflies and cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> but now, brothers, I appreciate your words. And uh, you, you've given me some good insight and stuff, too, to, to bring to the next conversation that, that my wife and I have, have too, about expectations and, and uh, like you were just saying there, your best and, and how it changes every day. Cause man, I, I don't know how it happened, but I was expecting my kids to give me the, their best every day mm. and be little robots about it. And, uh, it, it was a hard slap in the face when I realized what am I doing? <laughs> <sighs> yeah. But glad we can do this work. Glad we can have these talks and, uh, and learn and grow brother. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, let's let's do another one. Of course. All right. <laughs> one more. One more. You got it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, stay tuned and stay tuned for that one more. Um, <laughs> there'll be lots more. We've got some pretty good guests coming up over the next couple of months here too. So um, I'm mm. excited about that. Uh, so stay tuned, guys. Hope to see you on the next episode of the ADH Dads, where I'm your host, CJ. I'm JJ. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>